You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears need to get more from their outside linebackers not named Khalil Mack this upcoming season. And maybe just maybe new defensive coordinator Sean Desai can have something to do with it. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On the show today, we pick back up on our Chicago Bears training camp previews, turning our attention to the outside linebacker edge rusher group. We'll start a little bit more on the Robert Quinn front, trying to see what the Bears can still salvage out of that deal and whether or not he's too far gone and what we can expect from him this season now in year two in Chicago. Then we'll turn our attention to the rest of the rotation after Khalil Mack. Who are some of the new players in there replacing some of the old players and and how that battle might shake out throughout training camp. And we'll wrap up with a, a bigger picture look at this idea of when to drop outside linebackers in coverage and certain players maybe being better in that role than others and how that plays into the larger scheme of the defense under the new defensive coordinator compared to what Chuck Pagano had been doing the last couple of years and then where Mack and Quinn and these other outside linebackers fit into that formula for lack of a better description. But let's start with Robert Quinn because he was a pretty massive disappointment last season. And if you're a longtime listener of this Lockdown Bears podcast, you'll know we weren't super crazy about the contract that the Bears gave him last offseason. We perhaps anticipated that he wouldn't be the same guy in Chicago that he had been so productive in recent years, most recently in Dallas, having such a strong season that he did there, that it wasn't likely that he was going to sustain that with the Bears for back-to-back seasons. But I don't think we even anticipated quite that much of a struggle from him. And so now we kind of wonder, what can the Bears still get? Is this the kind of thing where it's the start of the end, or was this just kind of a a one-year blip? Because Robert Quinn's not that old. I think he's 31, but he turns 32 later on, and I believe this is his 11th year in the NFL, came in a little bit on the younger side, and so there's a lot of wear and tear on those tires, and eventually you start to wear down a little bit and you're just not going to be the same pass rusher you were in the peak and prime of your career. Because not only did we see a, a very low sack number, which we try not to get too caught up on in this podcast because the pressures and the quarterback hits and how often you're winning your pass rush means more on a play-to-play basis than just sacks. But his pressures and hits were down too. It's very different than the conversation we have about Khalil Mack or about Akeem Hicks. Mack had a decline in sacks this year. Hicks, fewer sacks this season. Both were considered disappointments in 2020, but when you dive a little bit deeper and you can see that, yes, they weren't hitting, they weren't sacking the quarterback as much, but they were winning their pass rushes against offensive linemen at a very similar rate. They were getting quarterback hits and quarterback hurries. They just weren't always 
bringing the quarterback down. And some of that distinction between a hit and a sack can be a matter of whether the quarterback throws the ball earlier or not and how quickly he gets rid of it and can be outside of the pass rusher's control. And so you look at those pressures and those hurries as a sign that the pass rush is still being productive. It's just not getting there in sacks. But the concern with Robert Quinn is that the hits and the hurries were also a decline last season. It wasn't just low sack numbers being unlucky in that way and having some of the same decline in production that Mack and Hicks had, but he was down across the board, and it raises some very real concerns about what we're going to see from him moving forward. You wonder if maybe injuries had some sort of factor in last season. He didn't play the first game because of an ankle injury he had suffered late in the training camp and the non-existent preseason of last year. So there's a thought that maybe that lingered throughout the season and maybe he wasn't 100% for much of, if any, of last year and that he could come back healthier this coming year and return more closer to the form of Robert Quinn that we've seen in previous years before he came to Chicago. But at the same time, He suffered that ankle injury, and then his first snap as a member of the Chicago Bears, the closest to the injury, the very first time he stepped on the field after the injury, he was a strip sack of Daniel Jones against the New York Giants, and it was like, oh, wow, Robert Quinn has arrived. He is here, and he is productive. That was a very early peak, but again, like that, you'd think that would be when he was most injured, and he was able to be productive right away, and then as the season went on, it, it just never really caught up. So, We'll never really know the full extent of his health or more so the impact of his health on this Bears team. But you wonder if, as he gets more comfortable in this scheme, you know, he transitioned to this outside linebacker role as opposed to being a 4-3 defensive end for all of his career. It's, it was an adjustment for him and was going to be maybe a little bit of a learning curve here. Pass rushing is still pass rushing, but there's more on your mind. You might have more responsibilities. You might have to drop back in coverage and things have different names and terminology. There's there's just a transitional period there. So maybe coming back in year two and presumably if the rest of this front seven around him starts to get a little bit more back to form, maybe there can be this elevation of Quinn. You know, if, if Hicks can stay healthy and be a little bit more consistent. And Goldman comes back and makes everyone's jobs easier. And if Khalil Mack can turn it up another notch and if they can get more pass rush from other players, you know, if everyone else starts to play a little bit better too, maybe Quinn can ride some of that and have his job be a little bit easier. It's not to excuse any of it, but just to say that you you do kind of come and go with the rest of your group around him. Because it really feels to me like Robert Quinn still has to kind of earn his roster spot for next year. Like, yes, he's under contract for the next few seasons, but after this year, the salary becomes a little bit more easy to get out of. There's still some dead money you're going to have to absorb, but it's it's doable after this season. If he puts two back-to-back poor years on such a massive contract, I, I, I can't see the Bears remaining patient with that for a third year of what is over $14 million a year on the cap hit. Right now, actually, on the Bears, his cap hit... The amount he's counting against the Bears' salary cap this season is higher than Khalil Mack because Mack restructured his contract and brought that number down this year to help the Bears afford other players. So, like, number one is is Allen Robinson's franchise tag. Number two is Robert Quinn, your second most expensive player this year. And then I think Khalil Mack is third. So he needs to be better, and the Bears need better from him. The Bears need better from the rest of their edge rushers as well. And and we'll go through some of the different guys this year that will be battling for those snaps behind the starters next on Locked on Bears. 
Today's episode of Locked On Bears brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. And just because we're in July and we haven't even gotten to training camp yet, doesn't mean there aren't plenty of football bets waiting for you. They've got everything you can think of. I mean, of course, the obvious stuff. The win total, will the Bears make the playoffs? The over-unders, the game one line for the Rams, the Bears are seven-point underdogs. But prop bets for coach of the year, rookie of the year, Super Bowl matchups, division winners, where the Bears are going to finish in the division. You can even pick, like, specifically what two teams you think are going to play in the Super Bowl. I think the best odds were Bears versus Chiefs for as far as Bears Super Bowls at, like, plus 10,000 or plus 20,000. Really long odds, but it's a great way for you to take advantage and win some money at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If I was a betting man, I think I have a good sense of who might get those rotations first at the outside linebacker spot. Because if we're assuming Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are going to play about the same number of snaps this year as they did last year. I think Mack was around 900. Robert Quinn ended up more around the 550 range. He wasn't quite as full-time as Khalil Mack is. Maybe there's a little bit of room for Quinn to come up, but you don't want to overdo a player if he's already struggling along the way. But gone is Barcavius Mingo uh, in some very, very serious legal trouble that maybe it's a discussion for another podcast, but some very serious allegations that are Kind of disturbing. It was really not anything you you want to hear about in any way, shape, or form. But he represented about 400 snaps compared to you know Quinn's 550. It's a pretty significant chunk from that third outside linebacker rotation. And I think we're ready to assume that the free agent signing Jeremiah Atauchu is going to step into that role. He seems to be brought in to be that number three outside linebacker. But I don't think they're handing him anything at this point based on. The situation that's available and the, the amount of money is not so much so that you, you have to mandate that he's going to get a certain number of snaps. Because when you look at last year, after Barcavius Mingo, it was actually James Vauders that stepped into that fourth outside linebacker role and played more snaps than I remembered. When I was looking back at the numbers, he was right around 250. I mean, that's the same number of snaps from Vauders as we saw from Mario Edwards on the defensive line. To kind of give you a sense, it's more than we saw Roy Robertson-Harris last year. So right, he's, he's a significant enough member in that rotation up front. I mean, more snaps than Duke Shelley played in the secondary. A lot of, a lot of those end-of-the-bench guys that we saw last year, Vauders was playing more than most of them. And it was, again, it didn't jump out to me right away as him being on the field all that much. Maybe that's a sign of a lack of effectiveness there. I mean, you know, they can kind of go both ways, but 250 snaps is is still a a relatively small sample size. It's just a larger sample size than I thought we got from the former undrafted free agent. Travis Gibson, the rookie fifth-round pick last year, played, I think, 72 total snaps. Barely even saw the field before, like, week 13. Very much brought on up at the end of the season in some of those garbage-time moments against some of those lesser teams that the Bears ended up kind of turning their late season around against, that was his opportunity to get on the field. And so, generally speaking, it, it really wasn't enough from those three guys. I mean, it was there, there was something there, but it really wasn't filling in the need that the Bears had for pass rush in that rotation 
outside of Khalil Mack. And so for me, it's it's a Tochu's job to lose when you talk about entering training camp, but he's never really been that dominant guy, right? He's been fine and he's been fairly consistent. You know, he can step up against the run pretty well. He'll get a few sacks here and there, but it's not like he comes off the bench and is this mercenary assassin rotational pass rusher. He's pretty good. But he's not he's not great and he's, you know, we're six or eight years into his career now and he hasn't really taken that next step. And it continues to be this sort of third outside linebacker guy. And I and I feel like at this stage of his career, that's kind of what he is. Maybe coming to Chicago Playing with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman and Robert Quinn or whoever, it, it can make his job a little bit easier and give him that sort of bump up. But at the same time, he was playing with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in Denver. So he's been surrounded by some pretty effective pass rushers on his previous teams, and it hasn't necessarily made that huge difference. But you never know. Chicago might be the right mix of coaching and scenery and teammates and situation to maybe bring a little bit more out of him. We also can see Robert or can see excuse me James Vaughters slowly growing into bigger and bigger role like the 250 snaps was a surprise and it, and it marks incremental progress from where he started you remember he was really like that preseason standout 2 years ago back the, the last time we had real preseason games in 2019 he had a couple of sacks down the stretch and really emerged as this edge rusher that we thought was maybe going to make a little name for himself spent a lot of that season on the practice squad Ended up getting called up later in 2019 and playing a few times. But then this past season, he just refuses to let the Bears cut him, right? I mean, he's just a guy that they can't get rid of if they wanted to. He's high motor, high energy, big special teams contributor. It doesn't feel like to me that he has any kind of dominant trait. And he's like 6'1", 250. You know, he's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. But he just, he hustles hard and has energy coming off the bench and he, consistency in there as far as a, a few different pass rush moves, not a wide variety, but he can pick his spots here and there and be like, I don't know, almost like a, a little bit of like a, a Tachu type guy that I don't know that he's ever going to develop into some starting caliber dominant edge rusher at this stage of his career. He's also like 28, kind of bounced around for a long time and has finally found some kind of a home in Chicago. Again, getting some of that benefit of playing with Mack and Hicks and those guys, but he's making those steps forward. And as we're seeing that ramp up, you can only project that he may continue into at least the same type of role, if not more, given the opportunity that stands before him. So especially with his special teams contributions, I don't think he's going anywhere in terms of the 53-man roster. It's just a question of how many of those snaps are on defense versus how many of those snaps are on special teams, especially as we're, we're kind of looking for Tashawn Gibson to make that progress and to, to grow in year two. You know, he was the fifth-round pick that the Bears traded for, traded up for, traded, I believe he was the guy they traded a future fourth-round pick to get back into that fifth round to select him in 2020. Given that the rookie class didn't have a real offseason or a real preseason, I'm willing to be patient with him on, on that and say, well, he didn't even really have a, a fair shot at the start of that season. So now a full year into the system, a normal training camp, a normal preseason – Let's see what he can do. I, I think it's hard to expect every fifth-round pick that Ryan Pace makes to be some gem. I mean, Darnell Dar Mooney was kind of the gem fifth-round pick last year, and it's not really realistic to expect two of them to come out of the same draft, but there's still time for Gibson to be able to develop into something. But it's about finding 
where all those snaps are going to go. Again, the 400 for Mingo are there, but you got to tout who's going to take some. Maybe Vodder's stepping into a bigger role, and then the scraps that are left for Gibson, or if, if Quinn is going to play more snaps this season, if he's a little bit healthier. You know, there, there's only so many opportunities to go around, and I guess you can't sleep on Ladarius Mack either just because he's got the Mack last name, and if he carries any kind of pedigree that he shares with his brother and the work ethic and all the different things that Khalil brings, Ladarius is not a guy I'm ready to overlook just yet, but practice squad feels a little bit more likely for him given at this stage, but can't, don't want don't to completely exclude him from this conversation either. Also can't fully exclude Christian Jones, who the Bears brought back from the Detroit Lions. He played edge rusher in college. He's been some of this sort of like hybrid type player in the past, an off-ball linebacker and a pass rusher, and he's the kind of guy that could let defensive coordinator Sean Desai maybe get a little more creative with some of these pieces. We'll start to explore a little bit more of what that creativity could look like and how dropping back into coverage from the outside linebacker position in particular plays into all this next on Locked On Bears. You don't have to be too creative to find all the right auto parts for your vehicle at rockauto.com. They make it super easy. You just enter in your car's make and model, and then boom, it pulls up the list of all the parts for your vehicle, and you just sort between the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. It's so much easier than going into the chain store, the parts store in your town, and talking to the person behind the counter, and they ask you a thousand questions, and they're like questioning whether you really even know what you're talking about with your car and what, what part they actually are specifically need. And then they punch all the information in their computer. They go look in the back. They don't have it in stock, and they've got to ship it to your home anyway. Why not just go to rockauto.com and have them and find the part yourself, exactly the part you need. You're not relying on someone else, and then they'll ship it directly to your door and cut off the middleman. I'm telling you. It's super easy. It'll change the way you buy auto parts. Head on over to rockauto.com and see everything they have available for your car or truck. When you get to the checkout, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So we think back to some of the different parts that have been in this Bears outside linebacker rotation, right? Leonard Floyd, at least in the Fangio years, was sort of the the, the outside linebacker who could drop into coverage. It's kind of the, the coverage guy out of that group. After Floyd left, Marcavius Mingo last year kind of became that guy to a lesser extent. Right? He wasn't the starter, so he was coming off the bench. But of the group, he was the one with more of the coverage skill set, and I'm putting it in air quotes for those watching on uh, the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. You can't hear it on the podcast because I I think the idea can be a little bit overblown uh, of like having a coverage guy at the position because I think having outside linebackers who can drop back into coverage is beneficial, but I, I think it's more nuanced than like this guy is the one who drops back into coverage and these guys pass rush, right? It's, it's not quite as black and white as that. So like, don't get me wrong here. Having outside linebackers who can drop back into coverage is valuable because when you have guys that have more of a variety of skill set, it gives you a little bit more flexibility as a defensive coordinator, and that flexibility opens up for a little bit more creativity, and you can do some different things that you might not feel as comfortable doing with outside linebackers that aren't as comfortable dropping back into coverage. But at the end of the day, for an edge rusher, especially in this defense, 
well, in any defense, really, pass rush will always be the most important. You are paying these guys for their ability to pressure the quarterback, to disrupt passing plays and make it more difficult for the opposing offense to pass. So I think as you look around the NFL, especially now in the modern era, where we're seeing a, a more of a prevalence of nickel covered nickel packages with five defensive backs and only six guys in the box in this 3-4 scheme that's two outside linebackers, two defensive linemen and two off-ball linebackers. And so the majority of plays you've got your four-man rush built in. Your two edge rushers and your two defensive linemen, that's your four-man rush and you're dropping seven guys back into coverage. That's your standard coverages. There're always going to be seven guys in some combination of deep and underneath coverage or man coverage, you know, but your four-man rush is your standard and and so you don't need to drop any outside linebackers into coverage in, in any sort of standard nickel package coverage. They're just, you just don't need to. You, they, they are pass rushers. They're essentially defensive linemen. It becomes a little bit of a bigger thing in, in, when you're in your base package with, you know, seven guys in the box and three defensive linemen and two edge rushers around them. That's five pass rushers. You want to have seven in coverage, so usually you'll drop one of the outside linebackers to accommodate that, or maybe both of the outside linebackers if you're going to blitz an inside linebacker. There's some different ways to do it, but the base is where you might more prevalently need, again in quotes, to drop an outside linebacker into coverage. But even in a nickel package, getting one of those edge guys back in coverage allows you to bring a pass rusher from somewhere else and still not sacrifice in coverage. It's like blitzing without blitzing. If you can drop Leonard Floyd into coverage, you, then you could rush an inside linebacker and still have your full coverage and still have your full pass rush, but it's a different look for the offense. They don't, they're not always sure then where the four pass rushers are going to be before the snap. And so the offensive line is going to call their protection pre-snap, but then if you throw something new at them, they have to adjust. The quarterback has to adjust. He has to think, and maybe that slows them down just enough to throw off the play a little bit or give your coverage guys that much more time or give your pass rushers a little bit more time to beat their blocker and get to the quarterback. And that's where the advantage comes from. Or, you know, you can drop a couple of outside linebackers and bring a couple of different guys, right? That's where you start to see the advantages to really make it less predictable for the offense. But you are sacrificing something in terms of putting a player in coverage that might not be as disposed to coverage. That's why it tends to be an easy, soft, underneath, flat zone coverage where you're not you're not ending up in man-to-man against Tyreek Hill going over the middle of the field or else you're doing something horribly, horribly wrong as a defensive coordinator. But just dropping back to a little easy spot and saying, all right, anybody that comes in front of you, cover them and go tackle them if they get the ball thrown to them. Usually it's a running back out of the backfield and just kind of a little check down thing. An outside linebacker can handle that and you get enough of an advantage of bringing the pass rusher from someone else where you're getting a safe blitz, and, and right, that's how defensive strategy really simplified simplicity in terms of pass rush blitzing and coverages. And so when we apply this to the Bears pass rushing group and the outside linebackers on the roster now, you're going to have to drop Khalil Mack into coverage sometimes. It's just He does. It's just a fact that all of the Bears outside linebackers do drop back into coverage. As much as Bears fans would bemoan seeing Mack not rushing the pass, rushing the passer every single time he can, it's just a, a, a reality that you can't just be so predictable all the time to know exactly where the pass rushers are going to come from. Even, you know, Robert Quinn too. And as I look back at Chuck Pagano the last two seasons versus what Vic Fangio had done before that, it seemed like Pagano had gotten a little bit more predictable in that regard, but 
there are pros and cons to that that we'll, we'll touch on here in just a moment. But I specifically pulled the coverage numbers for each of the Bears' outside linebackers over the last few seasons. Leonard Floyd over the, 2018 was around 20%. 2019 was around 22%. Khalil Mack, 2018 was about 12%. Then down to 10% in 2019, 9% in 2020. And then Aaron Lynch was 14%, 12% in 18 and 19. Robert Quinn this last year was just down around 7. But Barcavius Mingo was up at 30%. And James Vaughters was around 20%. And so this last year especially is what stands out to me, that Mack and Quinn were dropping back into coverage even less so than they had in previous years. And obviously for Quinn, he hadn't been involved in this offense, but or in this defense, but... The outside linebackers, the two Bears starters, really didn't drop back into coverage all that much at all this past season under Chuck Pagano, but Barcavis Mingo would come in and drop back almost a third of the passing plays he was on the field, and James Vaughters dropping back into coverage quite a bit. So it became a little bit more clear, based on who was on the field, whether or not a player was more likely to drop back into coverage. Whereas at least with Fangio, you knew Floyd was more likely, but the difference between Floyd and Mack and Lynch was more was less so. There was less of a difference. It was more compressed, that you were never quite as clear each time who was going to drop back into coverage, and slowly that discrepancy grew. And so it became a little bit more obvious that Mack wasn't going to drop back into coverage much and that if, if Mingo especially was on the field, you might not have to account for him as a pass rusher and then to look somewhere else for where that extra pass rush might be coming from. And so right now, the Bears don't really have a natural coverage outside linebacker on the team. Tauchu's not really that guy. Vaughter's not really that guy. I mean, he did it a little bit, but it's not really, it's not quite the Mingo Floyd model. I mean, Christian Jones, with his flexibility, you could line up at outside linebacker and drop him back into coverage. And there's some potential creativity there, like we talked about. But I I think it's okay to not have a pure coverage guy. And, And that's sort of the larger point here, that if all your edge rushers can just sort of shoulder that load of coverage a little bit more equally, it's still not going to be predictable for the offense. So maybe Mack is back in that 10 to 12 range and Quinn in that 10 to 12 range, but then you can have a Tauchu in that 10 to 12 range and Vaughters in that 10 to 12 range, and then you're never, as an offense, going to be quite sure if and when someone is going to drop back into coverage. And so it becomes this, this balance of wanting to be creative and bringing pass rushers from different spaces and knowing that that has an advantage at times, but then also knowing that you want to let your pass rushers just do what they do best, and that's get after the quarterback. You don't want to drop Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn into coverage too much. And so there's not really like a, a scientific formula of here's how much your edge rusher should rush the passer versus drop back into coverage. It's definitely a lot more of an art than a science, and it's not to say that Pagano was doing it purely wrong and that Vic Fangio always had it right. But it's just this sort of delicate balance of knowing when and where to pull those changes and to mix it up enough for the offense without mixing it up too much and neutralizing some of your best threats doing what they do best. So I'm really curious to see how Sean Desai tries to balance this through training camp into the preseason. And of course, once the games start counting in the regular season, you can be sure we'll keep a close eye on it for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. 
We'll keep the training camp previews rolling this week. Inside linebackers coming tomorrow. We'll get into the secondary after that. So make sure that you are following along wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the Locked on Bears YouTube channel. Please subscribe to keep up with all of our video content. Appreciate all the likes and the comments that we've been getting along the way. It helps us reach more Chicago Bears fans just like you and make it easier for everyone to bear down.